You are listening to a message from Victory Alabang. Get the latest updates by visiting victoryalabang.org or like us on facebook.com slash victoryalabang. We're journeying for the past uh, two weeks. This is our third installment in this series called Unwavering. Unwavering is actually a description of really not about just the faith of Abraham. I want to be able to say that, Sana, that you know, it's the unwavering faith of Abraham. But the reality is Abraham's faith has faltered many times. And it's really more the faithfulness of God that is unwavering towards us. Amen. It's His love that is unwavering. It's His compassion that is unwavering. It's the character of God that is unwavering. You promise the Lord that is unwavering towards you. Amen. The purpose of God is unwavering towards us. His mercy. You know, you find it always new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. That is the one that's unwavering. And Abraham is known to be a friend of God. That's his title, a friend of God. And what an awesome title. We see that in Isaiah chapter 41. When God was talking to Jacob, but you, O Israel, my servant Jacob, whom I have chosen, the offspring of Abraham, and then he said this, my friend. God considers Abraham as his friend. How many of you would like to be called a friend of God? Right? You know, many times you like to be, how many of you have friends? Please raise your hand. You have friends. Sana lahat nakaraise ang hand, okay? Mahambalungkot pag walang friends, right? We all have friends. We all have friends that are closer than a brother. We have friends, whether it's in our community, we have friends in church, we have friends in school, we have friends in Facebook. I'm not really sure if that's real friends or virtual friends. But, you know, many times when you find yourself being a friend of somebody who's really important, you find yourself blessed. Okay? For example, if you know the mayor, Mayor Fresneri, for example, you know, somehow, wow, parang big shot ka sa Muntinlupa, something like that. What if you know a senator? Wow, you're a friend of this guy. Or what if you know... Personally, and you're a friend of President Duterte. Wow. But how many of you know that it's better to be called the friend of God? Because no other title can actually match the title of who God is in our lives. Amen? I'd rather be called the friend of God than any other friend here on earth. And so, you know, Abraham, though he was known as the friend of God, his faith was not as stable as we know. In James chapter 2, verse 23, the Bible says, In the Scripture, was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God. Everybody say, Abraham believed God. Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness and he was called the friend of God. He was also known to be the father of the faithful. He's our father in the faith. Yet when you talk about his faithfulness, we know that in his journey with the Lord, it's not as stable as it could be. His life, and journey with the Lord is up, down, up, down. You know, he came from Ur, and you know, the level of trust and doubt is almost like it's always there. It's a journey of faith, doubt, faith, doubt. Wanted to do his own thing, wanted to trust God. He came from Ur, he went to Haran, he came to Canaan finally. Then he went down to Egypt, and then in chapter 13, he explored the land, and he went down because of his lack of faith in, in, the, in the air. Then in chapter 15, we see the covenant being performed by God. And so we see this pattern in the life of Abraham. But ultimately, when he was about to sacrifice and give his very best to God, that is the greatest expression of his faith and his trust with the Lord. When he went to Mount Moriah and he was willing to sacrifice his son, his only son, 
the son that he loved, the son of promise. Now, how many of you know that is the greatest test ever in the life of Abraham? So sometimes you can actually relate to Abraham. How many of you have, you know, described your walk with God kind of like this way and not like just a straight line up, up there, right? And so sometimes you go up, sometimes we're also down. You know, if you have a lot of money, for example, in your bank account, your faith is up. Diba? Wow, diba? Wow, I can, you know, I can believe God for anything. Something like that. And then if you are broke, you're down. It's as if that your emotion is dependent on the amount of money that you have in your account. Masaya ka pag maraming pera, pag wala kang pera, malungkot ang buhay. And I hope that we are happy or joyful, not because of our circumstance, because I believe joy is not based on your circumstance. Ultimately, the joy of the Lord is our strength, and we get it from God Himself. Two years ago, we went to Israel uh, with several pastors, our wives, and we traveled uh, the Holy Land with this Bible teacher named Aryeh Bar David. He's a Bible teacher. He's a Messianic Jew. He was Jew through and through. He's born again, and he knows the Torah. He memorized the Scripture. He knows Scripture of Isaiah, and he knows not only the Old Testament, but the New Testament. He took us on a great Bible journey in, you know, in Jerusalem, and then we went to Galilee. And incidentally, he actually was here last week, and he was teaching our pastors and some of the leaders in our church uh, you know, about Jewish culture for biblical interpretation. And it's interesting that he said there are some nuances in the Jewish culture and some words that sometimes we as maybe Westerners would actually miss out on that because we have actually been too Westernized in our thinking. When we read the word, sometimes we just see words, we just see verbs, we see a story, but for a Jewish person, it actually means a little bit more than that. And so we're going to be looking at because he shared something that's really important, I think, would be beneficial for all of us. And so we'd like to read from, once again, uh, Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. We're just going to read one verse this afternoon. And then I would like to attempt a warp speed of preaching by preaching on chapter 12, chapter 13, and chapter 14. And hopefully we can be out by midnight, right? Okay, so... Uh, we're going to be out here on time. We're going to journey to the life of Abraham. It's the circumstances that happened right after Genesis chapter 12. What happened, what transpired in the life of Abraham until the time before Genesis chapter 15 when God would cut a covenant with him. Before the covenant and after the promise, what transpired in the life of Abraham, his ups and downs. And hopefully we can learn from that. Okay, Let's all stand up right now. And let's read from two versions, ESV. Okay, let's all read out loud from ESV, one, two, three. Now the Lord said to Abraham, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. Now let's read from the NIV, one, two, three. The Lord had said to Abraham, Leave your country, your people, and your father's household and go to the land I will show you. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the life of Abraham and the example that he has set before us. Children of God, seeds of Abraham, we thank you, Lord God. We will learn from his walk with you. Holy Spirit, speak to us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Arye bar David, or David, of course, when you speak Jewish, you pronounce the syllables as is, parang Tagalog. And so Arye basically talked about the importance of this word, go, 
and leave. If you are a non-Jew, you would probably just miss out on the real meaning of the word leave. Now, how many of you have left something? Or maybe you left, you know, you've moved out into a new location or you've moved out into a new job or you've moved out into a new status or a new career. How many of you have experienced that? Or you physically moved. For example, I moved houses in, the, you know, in my 20, what, 28 years of being married. I probably moved, what, uh, maybe four or five times already. So moving out requires physical leaving of a place into a new place, right? But Arye said it's more than just leaving one place and going to another. He explained that the young Jewish believers are being taught from the Torah and they actually are taught this word. And this word, which means go and leave, is this word in Hebrew. How do you pronounce this word? Lesh, lesha. Hindi ganon. Kasi tayo parang lecheflan, di ba? Parang lecheflan. Parang ganon, di ba? It's not how you pronounce this word in Hebrew. You know how you pronounce this word? Lach, lachlika. I'm not kidding, okay? If you Google it and you have to go to YouTube and listen to how they pronounce it, it's pronounced as lech, lecha. What does that mean? It means go. It means go for you. This is where we get the word leave or go, going out. But yet, it's, it's more than just a physical leaving, but it's really about going and leaving yourself where you came from. Can you imagine that? Can you understand that? Go and leave yourself. That is exactly what that word means. How many of you have tried that? You went and then you stayed. Meron bang ganun? Para ka mananggal. May naiwan dito. You know, it's actually going and leaving yourself. What it means is, I'm leaving my old Ariel. Abraham had to leave his old self in the land that he came from in Ur or Haran. It's leaving behind old mindsets. It's leaving behind old way of thinking. It's leaving behind all hab- old habits. It's leaving behind the old value system that we've had in that place where we came from and allowing God to set ourselves in a new program according to His Spirit. And this is exactly what we see our Christian life to be, right? And we're so familiar with, once again, the Scripture that if anyone is in Christ, He is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. When you come to Christ, you leave behind something. You leave Egypt, you leave your old life, you leave your old self, and you come into a new relationship with God. He gives you a new loyalty, a new identity, a new set of values, a new mindset, a new worldview. And that's exactly what God is telling Abraham when he said, Abraham, your country, your father's household, lech, lecha. Your, your people, and go to a land I will show you. Don't just leave physically, but leave behind everything else. Leave your old way of thinking. Leave your, even your heart probably. And that's the most difficult thing to do, right? There's a song that goes, I left my heart in San Francisco or something like that. I think it's a love song. Sometimes when you stay in the land long enough, your loyalty and your sentiment is attached to that particular place. But God is saying, leave everything behind. So Abraham, verse 4, went as the Lord had told him. And yet there's a problem. And Lot, how many of you know Lot? And friends, right? <laughs> no, no, iba yung, ibang Lot yun, okay? Lot, Lot yun, di ba? And Lot, 
or Lot, however you pronounce it, went with him. What was the instruction of God in the first place? Your country, your people, and your father's household. Now, why is he bringing along his nephew, Lot, with him? For one, we know that the father of Lot, Haran, which is the brother of Terah, the dad of Abraham, passed away in the land of, I believe, in Ur. And so he was an orphan. I don't know if it was Lot who wanted to go and join uncle Abraham in his quest for this new land. Or maybe it was Abraham who was bringing alongside Lot with him because he kind of cared for him. Or maybe it's out of compassion. But one thing is for sure, when Lot went with Abraham, this somehow has opened some doors of compromises and trouble in the journey of faith. Of Abraham. And we will see that in the next two chapters that we're going to be journeying. So here we see Lot with Abraham bringing exactly everything that they have from one place to the other. And so to give us a better picture, Abraham came from Ur. He went to Haran. He went to the promised land. And where's the promised land? That's Canaan, right? And he ought to have stayed there. But one thing happened. And this is exactly what we're going to be talking about. We're going to talk about three tensions in the journey of Abraham. First is the famine. Everybody say famine. Second is fallout. And third is the fight. Everybody say fight. Okay, so there was a war that happened in chapter 14. He went to Egypt because of the famine. And we see this in Genesis chapter 12, verse 10. Now, there was a famine in the land. And I want to just pause here because... Originally, God intended to bless Abraham in Canaan and not in Egypt. But just because there was a famine and it was inconvenient and there was like scarcity of resource, Abraham probably thought, oh, baka it might be wise for me to move first out of the promised land into the land of Egypt. And how many of you know that that might not be a good idea? Because the promised land was in Canaan all along. And how many of you know that ultimately God had the power to bless Abraham whether there's famine or not? It's not dependent on their circumstance because God is the one who can open doors, who can open the heavens, who can open, you know, whatever. Favor for Abraham wherever he is. However, Abraham somehow still had a little bit of the world or his old mindset in him, dumiskarte si Abraham. Human wisdom and human effort came in. And he said, okay, let's go first to Egypt so that we will have provision. So Abraham went down to Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was severe in the land. When he was about to enter Egypt, he said to Sarah, his wife, I know that you are a woman beautiful in appearance. How many of you husband?" would actually agree with Abraham that you have a wife that is as beautiful in appearance like Sarah. I know that you are a woman beautiful in appearance. You know, Abraham was a bit concerned because she married a very beautiful wife. And when the Egyptians see you, this is what Abraham was telling Sarah, they might say, this is his wife and they will kill me, but they will let you live. Because it's the practice of kings during that time. If they see somebody who's beautiful and if that person is married, just get them. Remember what happened to David? Mm, that's another story for another day, right? But somehow, the Near East you know, culture at that time is a practice. If they want somebody and if that person is married, just kill the guy. But if that person is a single 
And if that person has brothers or sisters, bless the, pro- the brothers and the sister and the family. And that's exactly what Abraham tried to do with Sarai. He was actually explaining and justifying his motive. Abraham was selfish, only thinking about himself. And he said in verse 13, Say you are my sister. This is actually just the half-truth. Both of them are actually coming from the same father but different mother. So half-sister, half-brother. But the, the reality is they were husband and wife. And Abraham said this, Say you are my sister that it may go well with whom? Me. Ayun na. Umiral ang selfishness. Because of you in that my life may be what? Spared for your sake. Basically, what Abraham did was he kind of used Sarai to protect himself. How many of you wives would appreciate your husbands doing that? Don't do that at home, okay? Diba parang wow naman, diba? Why will you deny me? Instead of him trusting in the Lord to protect him, he was actually doing the ways of the world. When Abraham entered Egypt, the Egyptians saw that the woman was very what? Beautiful. And when the princes of Pharaoh saw her, they praised her to Pharaoh, and the woman was what? Taken into Pharaoh's house, as was the practice of the Near East culture. And for their sake, he dealt with Abraham, and he had sheep. Ito yung gift to Abraham. The Pharaoh gave him sheep, oxen, male donkeys, male servants, female servants, female donkeys, and camels, and Shih Tzu, and Pomeranians, and Labradors, and every else that they wanted that signifies wealth during that time. He actually allowed himself to be taken in by Egypt. There is a lesson here that sometimes we can actually go through the most difficult situations. And we can actually just opt to compromise. But how many of you know that it's not worth the compromise if it's talking about the plan and the purpose of God? Amen. You may actually just say, okay, lulusot naman eh. Makaintindahan naman ako ni Lord eh. Guess what? A big detour like this going down to Egypt cost him a lot. And so what happened to the Pharaoh? And the Lord afflicted Pharaoh, oh no, and his house with what? Not just plagues, but great plagues. I don't know what plagues that was. I don't know if it's sores, boils. I don't know if it's, I don't know, dengue. Or... And so because of Sarai, Abram's wife, so Pharaoh called Abram and said, What is this you have done to me? Why did you not tell me that she was your wife? In other words, God intervened in the situation. See, Abram blew it. He made a bad call. He went down to Egypt. He was not supposed to be there. He even gave his wife Sarai to the Pharaoh. Can you imagine that? So that he can be wealthy and he can be rich. But how many of you know that God would actually do a lot more in Canaan than in Egypt, but yet Abraham was short-sighted during that time? Instead of him blessing, in fact, what was the blessing or the promise of God to Abraham, I will make your name great. I will bless you so that you will be a blessing to the nations. What happened in Egypt? Instead of him blessing Egypt, he cursed Egypt. He brought in plague. He brought in curses in Egypt. How many of you know the blessings of God follow you wherever we go? Have you noticed, for example, if you go to a restaurant na empty, tas pumasok ka, kakain ka, order ka, right? After a while, people are already coming in the restaurant it's as if they're following you. 
Have you noticed that? Ako lang ba yun? Coincidence ba yun? Or what? Is that really what's happening? Why is that? I believe that's because of the blessing of God in our lives. Amen. That God calls us to be blessed so that we can bring a blessing to others. That's the nature of the blessing of God. Hindi lang para sa atin yun. Para sa iba yun. God wants to bless us so that we can be a blessing to others. And so Pharaoh said, What is this that you have done to me? Why did you not tell me that she was your wife? And why did you say she's my sister so that I took her for my wife? Now then, here is your wife. Take her and go. But yet, instead of Pharaoh taking back what he has given to Abraham, he actually let it go and he gave everything else to Abraham. Pharaoh gave men orders concerning him, and they sent him away with his wife and all that he had. Ultimately, in times of testings, we need to put our trust in our unwavering God. Amen. We can't allow our circumstances to dictate what we ought to do. And, you know, allow God to, you know, we can't really tie the hands of God ultimately. In fact, I'm so grateful that God is not just a God of second chances. He's not just a God of third chances. He's a God of multiple chances. Amen. Looking at Abraham, he blew it. He almost lost the promised land, but yet God was the one who went in and tried to save him, and he actually brought him back to where he should be, the promised land. Second is the fallout. Everybody fall out. Right after this, in the next chapter 13, we see that it's a continuation of the journey of Abraham from Egypt. In verse 1, it says, So Abraham went from where? From Egypt, he and his wife and all that he had. And who is with him again? Si Lot na naman. Ang galing ni Lot. When Abraham became rich in Egypt, yumaman din si Lot. Diba? Parang wow, wais to eh. Diba? Naanggihan. Naanggihan siya lagi. Every time he would come to uncle, he would actually just stay with uncle. And he would actually be blessed just because of Abraham's blessing. It would actually go out of him and even reach his relative. Now, Abraham was what? Very rich in livestock. He went to Egypt with almost nothing. There was a famine. He came out of Egypt very rich. And yet we realize that that was not approved by God because God could have blessed him if he had stayed in the land of Canaan. Yet God allowed that. Okay, so he enjoyed it then to test him in his possessions. And then it says he was rich in livestock. And at this time, he had silver and even gold. Verse 3, And he journeyed on from the Negev as far as Bethel to the place where his tent had been at the beginning between Bethel and Ai, or Ai, to the place where he has made, or he had made an altar at the first. In other words, Abram went back to God and returned in his walk with him. How many of you know that God's just waiting for us to come back to him? When we fall, He's going to intervene. He's going to pursue us. But yet, we need to, just like Abraham, come back and worship the Lord. The Bible says, And there Abraham called upon the name of the Lord, and he worshipped him. Abraham used to be a pagan. He used to be an idol worshiper. But yet, God called him out of obscurity, and he wanted to build a nation through his lineage. In verse 5, it says, And Lot who went with Abraham also had flocks and herds, and tents, so that the land could not support both of them dwelling together. So for their possessions were so great, they could not dwell together. So there was like tension already happening here. 
and there was a strife between the herdsmen and, uh, of Abram's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. And at that time, the Canaanites and the Perizzites were dwelling in the land. So, iba-ibang ites na to. Perizzites, Canaanites, Jebusites, Amorites, Ammonites, lahat na ng ites, okay? You know, and they're all there, basically stop Abraham from enjoying the blessing of God. There was tension within, between the men of Abraham and Lot. There was tension outside the borders. All the ites were there. But yet, how many of you know that nothing can stop the purpose of God from being fulfilled in the life of Abraham? Amen. Come on now. Can we give the Lord a hand for that? No amount of opposition will be able to stop that purpose to be fulfilled. And yet, how did Abraham respond to the fighting between... How many of you are familiar with this? fighting. They are rich. They have properties. But sometimes it's the wealth that causes the fight. How many of you have heard of stories like that? Movies lang ba yun? Ano nangyayari sa tumbuhay? Sometimes in real life, right? It happens. And so we see that happening in real life. But yet, the magnanimity of Abraham as the patriarch, and he said this, Abraham said to Lot, let there be no strife or quarrel or division between you and me and between your herdsmen and my herdsmen. For we are what? Kinsmen or family or relatives. mag-away. Basically, Abraham was a peacemaker. He wouldn't allow any offense to fester in the relationship between him and Lot. And he'd actually do something in order to fix the problem. I hope that we will be like Abraham, that we will also be like peacemakers. That instead of us, you know, causing strife or trouble or maybe, you know, festering an offense or unforgiveness or maybe bitterness against a brother or a sister, that we will be like Abraham, bridging the gap. That we will actually pursue unity. Even the Apostle Paul has written in uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 3, to make every effort, everybody say, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. And how many of you know that it's, it takes a lot of effort to make every effort? Ang hirap nun. You do everything you can in order for you to keep the peace in the family, in the home, or even in the church. Amen. And we're praying that this will not happen in our church. That there's not going to be any bickering, not going to be any fight. And Abraham basically became magnanimous in this. He was sacrificial, he was selfless, and he was willing to surrender his own rights to give first preference to his nephew. Sabi niya, pumili ka na in verse uh, 9. Is it not the whole land before you? Separate yourself from me. He's not talking about umuwi ka na sa tatay mo. What he was saying is, if you're going to choose this part of the promised land, I'm going to choose the opposite side of the promised land. And he said, if you take the left hand, then I will take the right. If you take the right hand, then I will go to the left. But Abraham was presenting to Lot was this. Because, you know, even uh, Ari was saying that in the Bible, the reference is not really north and south. It's always east and west. And so the left side and the right side is actually referring to the up and the down of the Canaan land. And Abraham was actually pointing or actually looking at Lot, and he was actually referring to the left side, which is the upper part of Canaan, and the right side, which is the lower part of Canaan. Pumili ka dito. Because these are the boundaries of the promised land. But what happened here? 
Lot lifted up his eyes. Ito na problema. And saw that the Jordan Valley was well watered everywhere like the garden of the Lord, like the what? The land of Egypt. He looked beyond the left and the right and he actually went eastward. And he went beyond the river Jordan. And he saw Sodom there from a distance. He saw that it was actually well watered. Just like Egypt, it was modern. Gaganda ng mga condo. Gaganda ng mga malls. Wow! There's party every time, mga casino. Wow! Gaganda! There's smoke everywhere. There's booze. And he was attracted to that. He was a man of the world. He heard the music from afar. He was actually being attracted by this sound that he was hearing from afar. He lifted up his eyes and he made a decision. Doon ako. Ayoko yung left, right ni Abraham. Doon ako sa malayo. Because it is like Egypt. They left Egypt, but Egypt did not leave Lot. It remained in his heart. Binaon niya yon in order for him to take what was found in Egypt. And what was Egypt? What does it represent? Compromise. It represents immorality. It represents the old life. It represents sin. It represents comfort and convenience, not even sacrifice and surrender. And what about us? Sometimes it's easy for us to just make a decision that's just like Lot, right? Lot used his eyes to make a decision. The Bible says, we live by faith and not by sight. As Christians, you don't make a decision based on what you see or what you feel. You make a decision on what God says and what He tells us to do. Amen. By faith, we make a decision. But yet, Lot, sabi nga mas maganda rito. You know, sometimes we can actually be, act like Lot. If it's inconvenient already, we will actually just tend to compromise. If you're doing a business, for example, if it's easier to just go under the table deal, what do we do? You opt to do that and compromise. And later on, just say, Lord, but I'm not going And we tend to compromise our standards. We tend to compromise our morality. You know, I'm going to marry you naman. Okay lang to sleep around, you know. How, is that really right? You know, when you, when you make a decision like that, it's actually like Lot looking at senses and what his eyes could see. You know, sometimes, it's, you know, as, as, for example, as students, we, we try to just, you know, sh- do shortcuts. It is better to cheat than to repeat. Something like that, you know. We tend to just go the easy way, the easy route. And we actually lower down our standards instead of us believing God for His best for us. Amen. You know, we're not here to be legalistic, but we're here to actually ask the Lord, what is your best for me? Have you ever asked God that? You wake up in the morning and you're faced with a decision every day. How many of you know that every time you wake up, there's a decision that you make? There's a decision that you will actually push that snooze button and sleep five more minutes, right? Five minutes. Mamaya, 30 minutes na, tulog ka pa rin, di ba? Ginising ka na ng alarm mo eh. That's a decision that you make. Or sometimes you make a decision, ay, long weekend, extend ko nga yung long weekend. Tuesday, tawag ka, call in sick, boss. May sakit ako eh. <coughs> Compromise. Half-truth. Lies. How can God bless us if actually, you know, we are here living this life based on our own understanding, based on our own human wisdom, based on our own discarte, instead of us being like Abraham? Because many times we can 
identify with Lot? Pwede na yan. Maintindihan ka naman ni Lord eh. How many of you have heard of that? Patatawarin ka naman ni Lord. God is a merciful God. Sige, just repent after that. He'll understand. That's exactly what happened in Egypt. He had a detour. It cost him some time to know who God was. So Lot chose for himself all the Jordan Valley. And Lot journeyed east. So he went not left, right. He went eastward towards the plains nearing Sodom and Gomorrah. And we will find that in the future chapter, Sodom and Gomorrah was judged by God. We know that. Thus they separated from each other. Lot was a man of the world, yet Abraham was a man of faith, a man of God. Abraham lived in the land of Canaan, the promised land, and Lot lived among the cities of the plain and pitched tents where? Near Sodom. Malapit na ron. Not yet in Sodom. If Sodom was here, he pitched his tent here, when he could actually hear that tugs, 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 and have a, a better vision and vantage point. Malapit ako dyan, pero I'm there, but not yet. I'm almost there, but not yet. Hindi pa yan sin, pero malapit na. Eh, maitulak ka ng konti, you're there in Sodom already. Yet some of us live that way. We can get as close as possible to sin and compromise without yet sinning and compromising. But yet, if a situation happens, guess what? You find yourself tumbling inside that sin and compromise. That now the men of Sodom were what? Wicked. And were sinning greatly against the Lord. And I believe the author had to put this as one verse in order to emphasize how bad the situation is in Sodom and Gomorrah. It was not just ordinary sin. It was almost like the same intensity of sin you find in Genesis chapter 6 before God wiped out planet Earth. The Bible says men always had an inclination in his heart to sin before the Lord. It's almost that intensity of sin that Sodom had. Yet in verse 14, God reassured Abraham and he said, lift up your eyes. Everybody say, lift up your eyes. They both lifted up their eyes, right? Lot looked at Sodom and he was attracted and yet it was God who said to Abraham, lift up your eyes. Lot decided on his own. Abraham let God decide for him. And I believe that's the reason why Abraham was blessed beyond measure. And he was called a friend of God. I believe God wants us to lift up our eyes and see how much God has blessed us. God wants us to lift up our eyes and not compare ourselves with other person. God wants us to lift up our eyes and be grateful for your situation. You may be in a drought right now or in a famine, but lift up your eyes and see the purpose of God in your life. Lift up your eyes and I believe God will allow us to see the better future that He has in store for us. Not to compare ourselves with another person, but to really walk in that track that He has given to us. And from that place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, westward, for the land that you will see, I will give to you and to your offspring forever. Even David acknowledged how God prepares the inheritance for each and every one of us. Psalm 16, everybody read this out loud. Lord, you have assigned me my portion and my cup. You have made my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely, I have a delightful inheritance. I love that word, surely. The Lord is the one who will assign to us our portion and our cup. 
without you even striving for it, you don't have to fight for it, that lot is secure. That lot is yours. No one can touch that. And Abraham knew for a fact that when God says, this land I will give to you and to your offspring as an inheritance for your posterity, he's faithful to do that. Amen. And if God tells us that he will bless us, which he promised, no matter what you're going through, whatever difficulty or trial or testing you have right now, challenges, maybe you're praying for healing, maybe you're going through a physical ailment, whether you're praying for a break, financial breakthrough, whether you're praying for your marriage to be restored, I believe God is calling us to hang in there and not to compromise and just believe God and have an unwavering faith in our unwavering God. Amen. Allow God to work in our lives. And he said this, I will make your offspring as the dust of the earth so that if one could count the dust of the earth, your offspring also can be counted. And we know that you cannot count the dust, right? Try it at home, okay? Arise, walk to the land and the bread of the land, for I will give it to you. So Abraham moved his tent and came to the to settle by the walls of Mamre, which are at Hebron, and there he built the third altar to the Lord his God. He built another monument so that he can honor his God. Real faith looks to God and not to what looks good. I believe God wants us to always keep our eyes on the things above and not on the things beneath. To fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. To fix our eyes on his purpose and his plans and his promise for us. Ultimately, we put our faith in the unwavering God. And lastly, as we come to a close, you know, we see that in chapter 14, you know, there are a fight of five kings versus four kings. King of Sodom, king of Gomorrah, king of Adma, the king of Zeboim, the king of Bela. They went out into a battle against Kedorlomer, king of Elam, Tidal, king of Goim, Ephraphel. Four kings against five kings. Now, what does Abraham have to do with the fight of these kings? You know what? Because Lot was involved in the war. In verse 11, he says, So the enemy took all the possessions of Sodom and Gomorrah and all their provisions and went their way. In verse 12, they also took who? Lot and her friends, right? And the son of Abram's brother who was dwelling in Sodom in his possessions, and they went their way. Because Lot is not just dwelling near Sodom, he was already living inside Sodom at this time. Nadamay si Lot. He thought he was blessed. He thought financially he was stable. But yet, when the king of Sodom declared war against the other kings, they were taken as property and plunder. And so, somebody told Abram about this. Abram had heard that his kinsman has been taken captive. He led forth his trained men, born in his house. How many are they? 318 of them. And they went in pursuit as far as Dan. You have to imagine, Abraham raised up these men, servants. He doesn't have children. These are trusted men from his household. He raised them, he trained them. But yet they were against, what, four kings with mighty army? And we know who fought their battles. In verse 15, he divided his forces against them by night, he and his servants, and he defeated them and pursued them to Hobah. Then he brought back all the possessions and all brought back his kinsman Lot and his possessions and the women and the people. In other words, with 318 men, 
panalo si Abraham. How many of you know that sometimes, even if you look dehado, you're lemado? Come on now! Because you plus God equals the majority, no matter how small your resource is. If you have God on your side, guess what? You will win. Come on now. And sometimes you may feel yet like you and me against the world, or something like you know, I'm against the world, you know, but it's, it's, if you have God with you, you're always on the winning side. And this is what happened as I come to a close. After his return from the defeat of Kedarlomer, the king of Sodom, two kings came out to welcome him giving him a victory welcome, a victory party. You know, they won because, you know, this king of Sodom was grateful. Grabe, Abraham, with 318 men, you won over Kedarlomer. Let me offer you the riches that I have in my kingdom. I will take the men, but all the possession, all the plunder that you can actually get, that's yours. And this is what Abraham told him. He said to the king of Sodom, I have lifted up my hand to the Lord. God Most High, the possessor of Elam, actually referred to this earlier. Possessor of heaven and earth. That I would not take a thread or a sandal strap or anything that is yours, lest you say, I have made Abram rich. Abram refused to take anything from the world. And he allowed himself to put his trust in the magnanimous, benevolent, and powerful hand of the Almighty Instead of trusting in the world and trying to get from the world and trying to make discard from the world to enrich himself from the world, he refused to actually be part of that. And there's another king that came out. First king was king of Sodom. Second king was the king of Salem called Melchizedek. He brought out bread and wine. Basically, they had communion. And the Bible says he was a priest of the Most High God. Yet, when you look at the history or the lineage of who this Melchizedek is, there's no trace. He came out of the blue and he introduced himself as the priest of the Most High God. After this meeting, he was gone in the Old Testament. The next thing that you will do is you will find his name is in the New Testament in the book of Hebrews and then that's it. Some theologians are saying that this is probably a theophany. A visible manifestation of God in the flesh showing himself to Abraham to assure him that I am in charge and I am here with you. And so he said to Abraham, Blessed be Abraham by God, most high possessor of heaven and earth, and be blessed by, and, and blessed be God, most high, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And because of this, Abraham's response is not just to get from him, but to worship him by giving him a tithe and a tenth. The first reference of tithe in the Bible is found. Here we see that the Abraham that we know in the land of Egypt has turned around. The Abraham who trusted in his own strength, in his own flesh, in his own understanding is no longer the Abraham that we see here in chapter 14 because ultimately he's saying, let God be the one to bless me. I'm not going to bless myself. I'm not going to enrich myself. I'm not going to compromise. I'm going to put my trust in the Lord. We put our trust in our unwavering. Come on now. That is our destiny. I believe God wants us to not compromise. God wants us not to waver in unbelief. God wants us not to waver in doubt. But go ahead and just put your faith in that God is always there for us. One last scripture in Proverbs. It says, trust in the Lord. With what? All, not half. 
not a part of all our hearts. And do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. And what? He will make straight your paths. Sometimes it's just illogical. Lord, talaga ba? Totoo ba to? How can you prosper me? How can you bless me? Trust. Trusting in the Lord is abandoning yourself. Trusting in the Lord means surrendering your will to Him. Trusting in the Lord means just believing His Word and standing on His truth and saying, whatever happens, I'm not going to compromise. I'm going to believe God for what God wants to bring to me. Amen. Lord, declare from this day on forward, Lord, lead us onwards, God. I pray that we will not try to use our own self in trying to make sense of the situation that we're in. But I pray God, that just like Abraham, and you called him to Lechraka, Lord, to leave ourselves where we are, where we were, and move forward in accordance to your Spirit, Lord God. Father, as we lift up our hands today, once again, we just surrender our lives. Just like Abraham living a life of surrender, he set up not just one altar, not just two, but many altars wherever he went. And he worshipped the Lord. And he surrendered his life regularly in the altar of sacrifice. Father, as your people, may you find us faithful, God. Father, we repent if there's any area of compromise, any lot in us. I pray, God, that you would cleanse us. Forgive us. Forgive us for our old ways, God. Forgive us for wrong minds. Forgive us for offenses. Forgive us for unforgiveness, Lord. Forgive us for promoting disunity. Forgive us, God, for compromising our morality. Forgive us from trying to enrich ourselves in the ways of the world, God. But I pray that you would help us to increase our trust and our faith in you, Lord. Deposit in us, Lord God, the faith of Abraham. He's known as the father of the faithful, the friend of God. And I thank you, Lord God, that you will see in this people, Lord God, us growing in our walk with you, just like Abraham. So, Lord, as we leave this place, may your blessing be upon us so that we can be a blessing to others, Lord. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord turn his face toward you and grant you peace. May the love of our Heavenly Father and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us always. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody say it, child. Amen.